Here I sit with the one, the only Kevin Denny. It's me. Of Tenny's Pizza. Did you guys know Tenny's Pizza is a local organization that provides a lot for this community? You guys have what, three stores? Three locations, yeah. yeah. We have one in uh, Saratoga Springs, one in Riverton, and then one in American Fork right over there by the Costco. Um, we're hoping you guys support us because honestly, it's we're just locally owned and operated. So me and Bethany, the the person you listen to each and every week that laughs a lot, um, we co-own all three locations and we have owners that have families with us in all these locations. So um, when you guys support Tenny's Pizza, you guys support a locally owned and operated company that appreciates you. I mean, if you come in on a Friday night, you will see me and Levi in Saratoga. You'll see Alex up in Riverton, and you'll see BJ over there in American Fork. So I want to say thank you for supporting us through all these years since 2011, since Tenny's has been around, and we hope to be here a lot longer. So thank you very much for all all your guys' business. Stay local and support Tenny's Pizza. Thanks. Welcome back to the Finding Strength Podcast. This week, we record with James Curran, a.k.a. JTM, formerly known as James the Mormon. James dives deep in this episode. You're going to want to hear this one. This one's epic. He talks all about his life as a child, the significant trauma, abuse, neglect he went through, what his life is like now, what it's like to deal with fame, seemingly blowing up overnight, talks about his music, talks about his career path, his future. It's freaking amazing, and we really appreciate James for coming on. As well, if you guys are first-time listeners on the podcast, or if you have been listening to the podcast for a while and have not subscribed to the podcast on iTunes yet, go ahead and do that right now. Go to Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe. You'll get a new one in your inbox every single week. You won't have to think about it, and it just shows up, and you'll be able to get the goodness that is finding strength every other week now. We have now 20-some-odd episodes. I don't even know how many. A bunch, a bunch of episodes. So be sure to go back and listen listen to some old ones. Check them out. And as well, if you are interested in becoming a supporter of the Finding Strength Podcast, we are always looking for people who want to sponsor. We're looking for people who are interested in helping out with the cause because we are actively involved with many different charitable organizations. My therapy practice is a big part of this as well. So we're just trying to help people. So if you want to be involved, reach out to us through Facebook, through Instagram. Just search Finding Strength Podcast. You'll be able to find us. So... On that note, let's get into it. Let's deep dive with James Curran, JTM, on the Fighting Strength Podcast. And we're back on the Fighting Strength Podcast podcast. It's been a while since we've seen you, or you guys have heard us. It's been, what, two weeks since we last came out? I know, it's weird to go every other week now. I know, because we just do it every week. I know, now. and our lives are crazy. <laughs> uh, oh, dude, it's freaking nuts. Uh, see, let's talk about, what did we do the last episode? Oh, last episode was uh, Matt and Amber Hansen. Yeah, tons of good feedback from that one. They, yeah, that, that was one of my favorites, except for the fact that I 
bawled like a baby, and that was not mm. enjoyable. I was like, oh, my gosh, I can't stop crying. I know. We had these people on, and they're, like, our really good friends, and they, they've been through, like, you would a not lot. believe their story. It's absolutely incredible. Speaking of people who have incredible stories, we have um, JTM on the podcast today. We're super stoked to have you here, man. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah, man. So... The main reason why, I mean, we've kind of already talked about this, but we wanted to have you on because you, your story is freaking incredible. Like, you're like this triumph of a man who's able to rely on your faith and really show people how to find some strength. So that's, we're just well, we went, here. me and Matt, we were just talking about this with James, but we recently went to a concert and both of us took all of our kids and the kids were rocking out and having a good time. And I totally appreciated you came out on stage and we're talking about how you've struggled with depression and you've been dealing with it. And I think that's really important because I think a lot of people, a lot of people struggle with depression and need to know what avenues they need to reach, you know, in yeah. order to get past it. For sure. So, I mean, we'll just kind of turn over to you, man. You, you can tell your story <laughs> you the way you want to tell it. However, I don't, I, we uh, like to start from the beginning ish. Yeah. Like, okay. where did you I, come from? Yes. Where did you I'm better siblings? with questions. Yeah. So um, where are you from? So uh, it's funny because it's hard to answer that question because I grew up overseas. A lot of people look at me and they're like, especially in Utah, um, and they assume that I'm Polynesian and they assume that I'm from Utah. But actually, I'm black and I grew up in Russia. Okay. Are so you that's quite the combo of like... <laughs> Um, I grew, you, well, you totally look like you could be Polynesian. I know, like I get right. how that fits. I'm 0% Polynesian. I'm just black. Well, half white, half black. But um, no, my, I, I'm the son of a diplomat, and I uh, grew up in Russia, China, Taiwan, and Uzbekistan is where I graduated high school. Oh, my so goodness. So I didn't actually grow up in the United States, but I'm an American. American citizen, because your dad was a diplomat. My mother, American. actually. Mother. Mother yeah. diplomat. So wow. do you have any siblings? I do. I have one full brother, and I have two half-sisters. And did you grow up with them, same home or different homes? Yeah, my brother and I grew up with my mother overseas. My parents were divorced, and um, my two sisters, uh, um, they grew up with my father and their mother, my stepmother, do you in ha- Chicago. Do you have a relationship with your siblings right now? Um, with my brother, I do. We actually, so he's a lawyer, and he's my lawyer. So, oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Actually, it's really convenient. I bet that's way cool. It's, <laughs> yeah. Well, in, insanely convenient. So, yeah. Shout out to Marty. Um, <laughs> um, uh, so, yeah, we talk actually pretty regularly because he takes care of all my legal stuff. Does he live in Utah too? He actually lives in Detroit. Okay. He's a, a lawyer in Detroit. Um, my other siblings and I do not have a relationship at the moment. And do you have a relationship with your parents at all? I do not. Okay. I do not have a relationship with them. And this is where therapist comes in. <laughs> yeah. This is so not my well, domain. I, I, think, I think a lot of people know, kind of know some of your story. But what, what I'm curious about is like, what's it like now? Yeah. Not, not just not having a relationship with your parents, but like you've been able to come out of something really difficult and challenging and make something of yourself what's that like today looking back on all the stuff you've been through um this is where you get to humble i i don't know i think often people they 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 
when they learn about what I've gone through and they truly know me as a person, they just, they're kind of shocked that I'm not a, like a sociopath. Um, and I, I don't know. I think, um, trials and hard things, uh, allow me to be empathetic and, and see the world differently. So it's a really weird doubled edged sword Yeah, that's, um, I don't know. It's it's uh I don't know. I I I just I, I don't know how to I don't know I get how it, to Tra- trauma the, the way like my my perspective on trauma and going through trials and stuff like that is yeah. like double edged sword. I love that analogy. It's it's not necessarily a blessing and a curse, but like it makes you stronger because yeah. you get through it and it's like this hard thing that you went through. And so thinking about it, dealing with it still brings pain. So there's like beauty and darkness in the experiences that you've gone through. Is that fairly accurate? Yeah, I'd say that. I think, yeah, more than anything, the gratitude now is just that I can, I like truly look at people and I, what it, my, my life experiences, whatever led me to this point, I can look at people and regardless of who they are, I just, I truly can see them as just like a human being and, a, you know, someone, and, and I don't, I don't see their faults. I, and because I have so many of my own and I've gone through so many of my own things and that, for that, I'm grateful for my trauma. I, and that, that's what it does. I think that's what it does to people. Like you go through stuff, right? I mean, for sure. you go through stuff and you look at somebody and you go, I wonder what they've been through. I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt or I get humanity now. I get what it's like to be a human being mm-hmm. rather than just to be some jerk who cuts somebody else off. Like you, you're able to like give some space to people. So like when you say, you know, I've been through a lot of stuff, like what, like what was, I was going to say, could you yeah. give us like, cause we know probably more of your story than other people. Yeah. A lot of people do, but just even like a brief synopsis of some of the things you have gone through because they're hard. I've heard them and they're hard and people need to hear Like, it's not just, I've been through some really hard things. No, like <laughs> yeah. there's some serious shit that's gone down in your life, James. Um, <clears throat> well, I, uh, I mean, so when I was four years old, my parents got divorced and, um, my, uh, some of my earliest memories are of my mother, um, just like, painting this like villainous image of my father like this i i truly believe like he was the worst human being on earth and and um because they were divorced they shared custody and i would have to go from living with my mother and then going uh to my father being terrified of that experience and i think that really shaped how i like looked at him um and acted and as a result, I think I, I don't know. I, my relationship with my mother was really abusive and, uh, physically and emotionally. And the relationship with my father was, uh, I just, I just felt like he was constantly like looked for ways to make my life awful. Not physically, like he didn't physically abuse me, but he just, every way that he could make my life awful he like sought that out um and that started at four 
I mean, I can't. I don't. Time. I don't remember. But, but, as but a like this was. This was yeah. like your your entire memories of childhood was like. Yeah. Dad making life awful and mom's abuse. Yeah. So my mother, my mother, like I, my mother had custody of us, and um, for eight months out of the year, you know, my brother and I were physically abused, um, basically daily, until I was probably. 15 years old and um my mother is a diplomat and when we're overseas there's like these like if you live in china or some country that's you know not as well off to have uh like a maid or you know a driver or something like that is actually it's everyone if it costs as much as it does over there everyone here would have a maid um it's it's just really it's just really cheap right and but my father saw that and he was like um he 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 saw that as like we were living this amazing life not knowing that every single day of our lives we were getting the crap beat out of us so we would leave this situation where we're getting the crap beating out beat out of us and then we would fly over to the states and my dad would be like all right it's my job to you know teach you how to be men and just make our life insanely hard, like every single day. Not knowing, I don't think he knew. To so be honest with you, like me. he was, he almost felt like you were being like coddled. Yeah, with he your was. Mom. Yeah. And so then he had to. It do was his. his I think he felt like it was his responsibility to to. Um. I don't know, make just literally make our life as hard as possible. To toughen you up and like yeah. make you into a man, kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. It, but as a result, it just was like, it was like extreme. Um, and that was basically my life. Um, like I, I genuinely like, I don't know. I, I mean, I've since, I've since started going to therapy and, and I, I remember days where I would like say prayers that my mother would like somehow die, you know, mm-hmm. on the way home. Be, so I just wouldn't have to deal with deal. Yeah. Like I wouldn't have to get beat up that night you know uh, or just like feeling this like insane like my life was like my whole childhood I just I compared to just like being in prison I don't there was like zero good in my childhood do you ever wonder why I mean I'm sure you did as a kid but like do you do you think back now or because you don't you don't talk to your mom at all but Mm -hmm. Do you think she has some serious like mental issues? Um so one of the last things that um I don't know if she ever said it to me or if she said it to my brother, but um so my brother when he was 18 and he's he's only 2 years younger than me. So this is like 11 years ago. My brother um left our the faith that I am and became a Muslim. And as a result, my mother stopped talking to him. Um, and uh, one of the, I, the last things, like he would try to write her letters and, and something. So the last thing she ever said to him was that she f- found out she was some like diagnosed as some level of autis- autistic mm-hmm. and she had zero capacity to love. So she she doesn't she'd never she felt know. love or had never loved us. Yeah, because as with some autism, that's kind of how it works. Like yeah. you're basically basically like your empathy bone is broken. Yeah, 
and it's really hard to be empathetic and to feel that kind of love and to be able to give it. And so I can, that makes sense actually. That's, that's do you know if she was beat as a child herself? Yeah, she was. Okay. So that also makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So it seemed maybe for her normal, like this is what you do. I've talked, so she has a sister who's not like her at all. Like she has a sister and, and aunt that, um, she, she did say like they were beat, but it, it wasn't like anywhere to what I had to go through or as regular or extreme. And so your and your aunt is capable of loving and like, do you have a relationship with her at all? Um, I, I mean, I uh, kind of, I mean, like, <laughs> like you I, talk to her, like I, yeah. we have no bad blood and like, we just like never kept in like, if she called me right now, I'd be happy to pick up, but we just don't call each other. Yeah. You know, you're, you're not, not you're not super tired. Yeah. 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 Makes sense. That's interesting. Does, where does your mom live right now? I don't know. And no. because of what happened with your dad, you don't, you haven't kept in touch with him. Do you know where he lives at all? Um, I'm pretty sure he lives in Chicago. I mean, that's, that's where he lived. Okay. He's lived his whole adulthood. Basically. So when you say um, that your brother left the faith that you, did you grow up, was your family Mormon growing up? Yeah. So both of my, my um, parents are uh, members of the Church of Jesus Christ uh, of Latter-day Saints and they were converts. They both went on missions. Okay. And um, as a result, we were born into that church. So you grew up, and then 15 years old, What you said that it, the abuse went until 15. What happened at 15? Why did it stop? Um, it so at 15, I we were living in Russia, and I um, my, uh, my mother um, put me and my brother into a dog cage. She stripped us down and locked us into this dog cage with our dog. Um, this big German shepherd and we're in there for a few hours. And when we came out, I feel like I just was just mature enough that I was like, whatever I was just like, I'm done. Like I just was, I was like, I'm, this is done. We're not doing this anymore. And, um, I, we lived on an American embassy, like compound. And I went to, um, the Marines, and I just told them what happened. And as a result, we, uh, they like separated me and my brother and, and my mom, and then they flew us to DC. I'm not exactly sure what the process was going to be at that point. We were separated the whole time. Um, and then, then my, uh, there was a period of time where they let us talk to her. And I'll never, she, she came and spoke to me, and she basically said, like, if you tell them that you lied, you know, I'll give you $500. You're like, wow, awesome. And I'm, you know, I'm 15 years old, you know. I'd, for me, I was like, that's, I mean, I, I feel like I was kind of scared what was going to happen anyway. And I just, yeah. and, I, you know, five, I don't know. I took the 500 bucks and I, I told them. You're 15, man. Like, what, what are you supposed to do? I, I don't know. I, I took it. I took the yeah. money and, but from that point on, it, it never continued. She just stopped doing it? Yeah. So at least, if nothing else, what, by you coming forward, it scared her into... Yeah. At what point did you move out from living with your mom? Uh, when I was 17. 
And you moved to America? Yeah, I came to, um, I went to BYU. Went to college. What'd you study? Communications. Of course. <laughs> that's great. I mean, that's, that's the, that's, it, I did political science, man. That's the other catch all like, that you, yeah. Communications. Yeah. I just wanted to graduate. Yeah. Get her done. That's yeah. cool. So you leave Russia, come over to the States, and then you're like, I'm going to be a rapper now. <laughs> right? Well, you're not a rapper. Sorry, sorry. Disclaimer. Say, not like a rapper. A song that yes, says... this, your first album, right? I'm not a rapper. Yeah, but what what's the process like of like, I'm going to BYU. I'm sure, I can imagine that music is like a, a fundamental part of you and strength and being able to express yourself and going through this traumatic events as a child to find some strength there um so it's not as like uh the connection to music isn't is and like finding strength is more gradual than you think it's, it's not as linear as it might yeah seem. It, um it's i came when, when i came back to the states in that in that period of time i so i grew up like i said i'm black but i grew up in china Right, and I grew up in Russia and all all these situations, so like my you know African American culture was never introduced to me, and when I came to the states, I I would you know watch BET and I would listen to rap, and this, that's kind of how I was introduced to. So you weren't introduced to it until you were like seventeen. I I was when you lived here. Yeah, I was fifteen years old. Okay, and I and I. Uh, yeah, I saw that for the first time, and I just kind of like fell in love with hip hop. If that makes sense, I just resonated yeah. with. It. I saw people that look like me, and I mean, and me- I'm white as white can be, and I <laughs> love hip hop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's for every, it's for everyone. Yeah. But but that was my story. No, but I, I, but yeah. I can understand. I could see yeah. how that would work. And I just, I just resonated with it, and I think you know, like, um, I think there, like, there's this like really under lying message regardless of what they're like saying it's like about overcoming hardship is like the the real theme is like the raw you know that's what hip-hop is and I, I also later did some research and maybe you can have some scientific <laughs> some facts to, to back it up but I'll make there's, some some, up. So there's something therapeutic to trauma victims about repetitive beats hmm. 100%. So, That's actually so true. I, my theory that is just kind of like that I like was healing me. You know, I would hear mm-hmm. these like beats, beats, beats that were so repetitive that somehow my brain was like that, you know, like use that, keep listening to that. And, and maybe it was therapeutic. Um, didn't, didn't, I've never, even to this day, just so you know, like I don't see myself as like, it's never been a dream of mine to, to be, a musician right it's it's just a hobby that i've all that i've i have and enjoy making music and and you're freaking good at it well thank you you dude it. yeah man it's like you're good dude it's incredible to hear what you're able because i i wanted i was the opposite i wanted to be like i would love to have been a rock star like if that had worked out it'd been awesome but i like metal so it's a different different genre yeah. of course i'm white right no, no that's all good. <laughs> <laughs> but but like to be able to take a hobby and like turn it into your craft it takes a lot from a person and you were able to do that and you craft it in such a way that it reaches thousands of people because you can hear 
and, and especially in like many different songs, you can hear like your heart shows through in what you're conveying. And you watch, I mean, we've seen you on stage. Like you watch this guy on stage, guys. Like you should go to a JTM concert. I mean, how you connect with the audience and how you're making eye contact with people and how you tell your story. And then you and Jay are like have this awesome chemistry and like, it, it's it's it cool. Really cool. It's magic. Like I'll I'll be honest. When I first heard, because originally you were when we talked about this, you were it was James the Mormon, mm-hmm. and um, I did not want to listen to you, uh, straight up. I was like, seriously, are we gonna listen to some choir music or something? <laughs> like, what the freak is this, right? Yeah. And Kevin, my husband, actually played a song. We were with some friends one night. He played a song. We're like, that's really good. Who is this? He's like, that's James the Mormon. I was like, what? No, this is not, this is not what I pictured at all. Yeah. And so anyways, like that, I actually really like that you, um, not, I, I don't want to say change your name, but like, what's the word? Rebranded to JTM mm-hmm. because I feel like there's probably a lot of people like me out there that that original name was a turnoff. Yeah, no, it, uh. It's funny because being James, it's all of the trauma I went through as a kid isn't like, I think that it affected me. It definitely affected me and in a negative way, but the real depression that I've ever felt in my life was as a result of being James the Mormon. Really? Like the the deepest, like darkest place of my whole life is, is because of, like j- backlash from people or just you in general? Yeah, I, or f- fame, uh, being openly a member of my faith. Um, like, yeah, I, I think the confusion of it all, like it's, you know what I mean? Like not understanding why I'm James, was James the Mormon, you know, like it, it in, in fame, like re- really fame, I think is, is, the hardest thing that I've, it may have been, it's very close to as hard as it was as a kid. What, like why? Yeah. Talk, I would love to hear you like talk about this as much as you want to, man. You don't have to talk about it, but if you want to get into this, this is, is it like it's interesting. the negative side? Because I've always thought that like people are mean. Like, and is that, does that have a lot to do with it or is it more than that? Um, I think it's, it's both the, I mean, people are awful. I mean, as, uh, especially to public figures, it, it's, mm-hmm. especially to people who mm-hmm. are, I mean, I, I mean, to be honest with you, I, I'm, I, although I wasn't prepared for it, nor did I think anything would really come of it. Being James the Mormon and as a public figure opens you up to the same, like, uh, persecution as as the church does right and there's a ton of that right and because you become like a representative exactly i I represented the church so now everyone's going to ridicule everything you do exactly the members the non-members the like everybody yeah um and it came from everywhere there was a lot of love but i would say it was just as much hate and it was from people that like like I don't know. It's the first time in my life that I, I realized I was like, I, fame is good for people probably who like want fame. You know what I mean? But for someone who it was just a hobby and 
um, I feel like my personality is was never like meant to be. It's not something that I wanted, and I was now now this thing happened by accident, and I have all this hate ha- happening to me, especially from the members. Like the when people were the same, I I was like we're on the same side, but they didn't understand what my true intentions were. Like what kind of stuff? Like what like what were they saying or what were they? You know, like I was using the church to get famous or I was using the church to make money off of music or, you know what I mean? Or Yeah, yeah. When the truth was, like, all I wanted to do was to show a different side of my faith. I just wanted to be openly a member and show, like, hey, like, not all Mormons are white, you know, or or, or homophobic or wh- whatever it is. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. The, the, I wanted to kind of break down those walls. Yeah. And if you didn't know that intention, you could, you know, just like you were like, I don't want to listen to that. You know, they're yeah. like, this sounds weird to me or this feels weird to me. And, you know, they come up with their own story in their head. Um, and I think just like years of that happening, especially what when it wasn't, um, when I wasn't like seeking it out. Yeah, that wasn't yeah. your intention. Yeah. Yeah. What, what year did your first album come out? Uh, 2016. 2016. So yeah. it's, it's only been three years since you really kind of blew. I guess because you had singles first. Like when when did you blow up? Because it was almost overnight success kind of thing is what is is how I viewed it. But maybe that's just outside perspective. Yeah, I mean there were like little things here and there that kind of like had some notoriety. But in 2016, like that album, I'm not a rapper. Um, you know, hit number one on the hip hop charts and. You know, my name was James Mormon, never been done in Utah. You know, it's just like a whole bunch of things that never happened before. All these accolades that you're yeah. just like, what is and happening? It just happened over, that, that happened overnight. Right. And with that, the brand of James the Mormon um, had, you know, notoriety, especially within the LDS world and within Utah. So, um, yeah. Well, for sure. Yeah. You were everywhere. Well, and Utah's everywhere. Hard. Utah is a hard place because I, it's a small community and everybody freaking talks. But even not just that, like I, I always think about, um, like Utah Jazz. Okay, like yeah. people, we are the best fans and we are the worst fans, depending on who you like and who you pick, mm-hmm. and because they will come out guns blazing if they don't like you or if they don't like something you did. Yeah, but if they support you, I mean, you're king of the Same world. Thing. You know what I mean? And so that's where Utah's hard. Where other states, I mean, I, it might be like that in a lot of states, but um, I'm originally from California, and it's not like that because there's so much going on all the time. Yeah. It doesn't, we don't have that commonality, you know? And so I can understand how that was probably, how it was with you. You're from Utah-ish, you know, you're BYU. Mm-hmm. And you're Mormon, so everyone's like, oh, this is our boy. And then... They start to question you and question what you really want and what you're really trying to get out of this, and that sucks. Yeah, well, this in the state, the the church is really polarizing too. So either you are, or you aren't really, and then you know, and if you are, like, you're about it, and if you're not, you're kind of almost turned off by it. So, um, that immediately like yeah there's fans and then there's also like these people who are like i don't like whatever he does because, because of, his of that name. yeah mm-hmm. so true and that it is kind of sad but it's really it is true mm-hmm. oh yeah very polarizing because 
people want categories. We love categories. We love being able to marginalize people based on whatever descriptor we like. Race, gender, yeah. sexual orientation, religion, political class. Like, and we've talked about this a bunch on the podcast, actually, because it's a big deal. Like, we love boxes. We love taking a box and we love saying, guess what? These people fit in here. And since they fit in there, I don't like them. Or these people fit in here and they look like me, sound like me, act like me. So I like them. Mm-hmm. And so we have somebody come along, right? And this is your classic example, man. Come along, breaking stereotypes, saying stuff that people don't normally hear, right? Even on the other side of this thing, as, as you know, a hip-hop artist, your first album is titled I'm Not a Rapper. Like, you're going against even hip-hop in general. Like, I'm doing rap, but I'm doing me. And that's hard for people to take. And you stuck to that. And I can only imagine how difficult the backlash was. So, so you've talked about, like, depression and that being as hard as some of the trauma you went through. You go through that. What? How do you come out? Or are you still there? What do you do to get out of this depressive spot that you're in? Um, I uh, I like like uh, it's really so. Um, pretty much most of last year. I I couldn't even leave my house. I had the like not just depression, but I had the worst social anxiety. Mm. And um like I couldn't I just I would I would go into a any sort of public situation and I would assume like my like I was like everybody in this room hates me. That's that's like that's what fame did to me. Like I would literally think that everybody hated me. Just because of all the hate, like you just see hate all day, and you just start thinking everybody hates you. Um, and I couldn't leave my house. Like I was like, I couldn't leave my house. I like was scared to like be around people. I like stopped talking to every single one of my friends. It was it was really bad. Um, I I like was like sure there was no way. I, like I was like I'm never gonna get married. Like. I don't know, just like nobody likes me. And I think I don't I don't I don't remember like what brought this about, but I I just remember um like my I just I think I was just thinking about my mission. Um when I went and I served for 2 years and to this day that is the happiest that I've ever been in my whole life. And I think people would argue probably cuz I was just like serving other people. And I think there's an aspect to it, but I think that the real happiness that came from my mission was that I was communicating with who I believe to be heavenly father nonstop. And I was feeling his love for me nonstop. And he was every time that I needed him, he was there. And I just realized that, you know what, like, I can't undo this, whatever this thing that happened to me. Uh, I can't undo it. I can't, like, and there's no way I'm going to change it. So the only way that I'm going to be able to get out of this and the only way I'm going to be happy again is to try to have that same relationship that I had when I was on a missionary. And I just, 
started praying a lot. And, you know, as a result, I, I felt strength and, and love. And I, you know, pushed myself to go start going to therapy. And I pushed myself to be okay, you know, going into social situations and being okay with the fact that a significant amount of people may not like me or not understand me. And even though it's like, it's, I haven't like, it still affects me. Like it's, but I, 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 because of like, I keep turning to God when things are hard. Um, that's where I, I find my strength. Thank you. So I, that was awesome, dude. Um, yeah, I love that. That's amazing. I, I have a thought and I hope this doesn't sound rude at all. I'm, I'm really just trying to like wrap my own head around things. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you were younger and you're going through all this and you have all this trauma, did you ever feel like there wasn't a God or God left you or any sort of, because you're going through such a hard thing? How, did, how, do you, how does that work in your head? Yeah, um... It's funny because I, I, I was raised very, you know, religious. We went to church every Sunday. Um, uh, I almost like, I wasn't, I, I, I didn't, I never, how do I say this? I never, I saw church as kind of like um, a negative growing up. And yeah. I never, I don't think I ever understood God until I went on a mission. And I don't, I don't, I've never blamed God for anything. I, I, which is weird because I think it would be very easy to. Well, it's kind of when you talk about your brother. Or, or became, not believed in God. Yeah, yeah. because he, how he became Muslim. Like to me, and it's just the way my brain works, right? That's, I think that's how I would have turned where I would have said, okay, this is how I grew up and I'm going to church every Sunday and doing all the right things ish. And my mom's following this religious stuff, and what what good is that doing her? She's still beating me every day, you yeah. know. I think that was part of it, and I think he had his own qualms with the church and negative yeah. experiences, and um, but yeah, for, I think for for me, I, I never like like being a member of my faith was more like cultural, you know. It's like I was brought into it. This is just kind of like what I am, and then. Um, through a weird series of events, I went on a mission and, uh, you know, I just, I realized who God was to me and he's, you know, been there the same always. I've just kind of either been neglectful of our relationship sometimes. I think the thing that I, that I, and I'll speak from my experience cause I, I relate on a lot of levels cause I, Obviously, don't have fame or notoriety. I haven't had to deal with that, but I have dealt with my own severe depression and suicidal ideation and just darkness. Mm-hmm. Like, and there were moments where I definitely turned over to God, especially when I was really like heavy into my faith, especially on my, on my, my own mission. Like, I, I I totally agree. I get that. Like the happiness, like serving and and having this relationship with. God, higher power, whatever it is. I think the way that I've come to understand it now, and it's different for everybody, which is, which is a beautiful thing, right? Is 
we have this opportunity to keep our hearts open or close our hearts. And if I can make that decision to keep my heart open to God, to people, to the world around me, to experiences, and resist the temptation to close off and judge and isolate, I have found that I am immensely happier. And I am able to accept people for who they are and be open to whatever it is that shows up, right? Because there's going to be super hard things that I'm going to be faced with, right? No matter no matter what it is, whether it's whether it's you know people hating you for no freaking reason, or or losing your child, right? Or losing your best friend, right? That's what happened to me. I lost my best friend. He died, and he was gone. And I and you have to figure out like, what do you do with that? Do you take that and close your heart off to the world and hold it in and just get all resentful or do you say you know I'm, this this actually is here to make me better so that I can relate to other people like you talk about James or to make the world a better place and you open your heart and you're willing to like be a part of this human experience rather than shut yourself off and I think that that can come in a lot of different ways and I think it's freaking phenomenal that the way it came for you was through your relationship with God I think that's fantastic and then it's been able to pull you out of it time and time again. I think for all the people listening there, like there's a lot of room for that in people's lives. And people are close to that idea. And it might not be the one that works for everybody, but for you, it, it, it brought you a lot of strength. It got you out of this dark moment. And, and, I, and I just, in like interacting with you now, I'm, I'm guessing, I could be wrong, that there's still some dark moments and you're still having struggles and you're still trying to figure stuff out and, yeah. and find yourself and you're rebranding right now. And, and part of that process is, is just keeping that heart open and, and still relying on, on your faith and on God. Yeah. I, part of what I wanted, uh, James, the Mormon to be that I feel like never really fully, I feel like some people got it, but like on a grander scale, I feel like nobody really, understood was that I wanted James the Mormon to be to be like I am a religious person this is what I believe but I'm and but also being very transparent about the fact that I mess up and but God still loves me and that it's okay and whether or not you know you're a a member of the Church of Jesus Christ, Latter Saint, or Mormon, or whatever, doesn't matter what you are, or what you've gone through, or who you are, or what it doesn't matter. We're still loved, and and that's what I was trying to to get across the whole time. I love the transparency thing, by the way. I think it's really important. Where it's just, um, we talk a lot about in here how a lot of shame comes from the trying to be perfect, trying to not let anyone in and show your flaws and your faults and, you know, and like, what good does that do anybody? Like nobody learns from that. You know, we, I feel like we learn so much more from learning what we've done wrong or, you know, where we've had issues than from all the wonderful things that we've done in our life. You know, it's it's just easier to relate to sometimes. And then it's like, Oh yeah. Okay. So he's gone through this too. It's not just me. You know, I feel like that's, Hugely important in life. Yeah. Well, it's, it's suffering. I mean, this is a common tenet amongst every faith. You, we are going to suffer. 
suffering is inevitable and suffering can provide a lot of meaning and it can make you stronger, right? Like when you want to go get strong, put a bunch of weight on your back and carry it around for a while. You're going to get freaking strong. That's what suffering is. Suffering makes you stronger if you're able to eventually let go of the suffering and take advantage of the strength that you've gained while suffering because you don't have to always suffer. You can let go of that suffering and provide some context for yourself and hold other people's suffering and and create goodness in the world whenever you want. And that is something that, in for you, it sounds like your relationship with God has allowed you to do, is find meaning in your own suffering. I think that's freaking awesome, man. That's cool. I think, um, I was just going to say, like, a lot of people are scared to be transparent and that's I, or vulnerable and that makes sense. You know, I get it. But it's scary. The, sure. the 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 thing that you can't do if you're trying to hide that vulnerability or pain or trial is you if you're not open about it, then people can't help you. And if you've overcome it and you're still not open about it, then it's hard for you to help someone else. So I think in 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 this whole like process of of uh, there has I, you know I've talked a lot about a lot of hate and and stuff like that but I think I've from me being open you know on social media or about some of the things I've gone through or even like my depression as a result of you know fame is people have been able to help me you know people who just DM'd me on social media or you know, it's, they've related and helped me um, as well. So vulnerability allows you to help each other, I think. Yeah, I love that. I think that's awesome. So as you've been more vulnerable, you feel like you've gained new relationships that you didn't have before? Is there anything, like, what's coming? Not necessarily with? relationships, but but strength. Like, people, me saying, hey, I'm going through this thing, allows them to say, hey, I've gone through that too. Here's how I got, went, got through it. And then me sharing, hey, this is how I got through it, allows me to be that person for someone else. That's cool. So why JTM? What? So you transitioned away from the James Mormon thing, rebranded JTM? Um, I think, um, I mean, I've all, I, I, as soon as I got backlash, I wanted to change it. Um, right. I'm going to be honest with you for like two years. I, I battled with changing. I wanted to change it. I felt like it, uh, you know, it was holding me back and people weren't understanding. And I, I hated that. I, you know, I really, really hated that. And, uh, the whole, I guess to understand James, the Mormon is I, when I came back from my mission, I just, I didn't, create this like artist named James the Mormon with this like idea in mind. I changed my social media to James the Mormon to just kind of try to continue to do missionary, missionary work. Yeah. Um, and then, and I came home in 2002, uh, 2012, sorry, not 2002, came home in 2012. And it, um, throughout 2012 to th- 2016, where things kind of blew up, I would just, do my hobby as normally, like as if you would take pictures of yourself hiking or biking or whatever, making crafts and putting it on your social media. I did the same thing with making music and other people called me James the Mormon and I kind of just ran with That's it. That's just stuck. If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I didn't know that. That's cool. Yeah. And so when the, when the, 
when the hate came, I was like, oh, wow, I need to change this. And I kept getting this, you know, feeling not to change it. You know, I, I attribute that to God. I feel like God was telling me not to change it. Um, and then, I mean, and that never stopped for two years. I would keep getting hate. I keep wanting to change it. God would say don't over and over and over again. Um, and then um, one day I had that feeling. I went to God and he was like, change it. And so I changed it. And then two months later, the church... Decided they weren't Mormon anymore. They said, yeah, they, they came, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints was like, we're not going to be going by the term Mormon. Mormon, right. And that's what happened. It coincided quite well. That's cool. That's super cool, man. Um, so now, as James, not James the Mormon, as JTM, like, what's life like these days for you? What's going on? What do you got going on right now? What's... Um, I I mean so a lot of people don't know this but I'm like I'm I'm not like a like I do music and I do put on shows you know upon requests and and things like that but um I'm I'm like an entrepreneur like I I'm like a startup guy I I had a a business called Grub Pass which still exists that we kind of grew in Provo and I uh, I sold my equity um, and then I'm starting on a new startup called Jesse which is new. You know, tech, technology, SaaS business. That's, that's kind of awesome. what I do. You know, like a mm-hmm. lot of people don't know that, but that's really cool. So, what's uh, what's Jesse? Um, Jesse is an automated training software for like businesses. And you're just like part of the startup, making it do the marketing well, I'm the, side. I'm, I'm the CEO. I was oh, the CEO, CEO of of GrubPass as well. Oh, yeah. So this is I started both. I was my idea. I built it up, sold it. Now I start this. That's awesome. That's yeah. Rad. I also uh, I'm an investor. I you know, I have like four different investments that. And you're a motivational speaker, practically. <laughs> I do. I do. <laughs> He's I do. like shifted into seat, guys. <laughs> like, I don't know about that one. No, I mean, I do had, firesides and stuff. I was going to say, well, um, I don't know if you remember, but you came and did a. At the middle school? At the middle yeah, school with I, us, with our foundation, Bright in a Day. Yeah. And that was really cool because that was when you were kind of beginning into some of that the storm of the angry social media stuff. Oh yeah. And yeah. it was, I was probably, yeah, it's definitely, the that beginning was, it was 2016. It was in 2016. I think it was 2017. Was it? Was yeah. it the next year? That might be true. Yeah. But anyways, it was really cool for you to hear you talk to the kids and kind of explain like some of the stuff you were going through and some of the hardships and stuff. And, you know, cause you got all these teenagers sitting there like thinking their life is so hard and it is. Everybody's going through their own issues, but I, I loved that. I loved hearing you talk to them and try to, you know, build them up. And so I thought that was, that was neat. I'm sure that's what you do at firesides and different things, which I love. Yeah, I, and my fireside is more of just kind of honestly, it's just a, my my. I just tell like my life story, kind of as it relates to faith. But yeah. yes, and how you got through it, which for you, that's a, it's mostly faith which is awesome if that's what gets people through things i think that's amazing i think everyone should find their way and obviously that was yours which is really cool yeah it's powerful man your story freaking 
moving. It's got all sorts of drama to it. They should make a movie about you, dude. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, please don't. <laughs> no, no, I'm kind of, I'm kind of weird and twisted. I like to make people uncomfortable. I noticed that praising James really, he hates it. And so I'm just going to keep so doing true. it. I'm sorry, man. I can't no, help it. That's, that's my, uh, that's my, that's my sadistic nature because it's true, man. Like you're a freaking cool dude. And, and you get to tell your story to people. Like my kids hear your music and I love it. Cause I hear the JTM stuff come on and I'm like, Oh, Turn it up. I know I'm not going to have to edit this. I know my kids can hear this stuff. It is clean. Yeah. It is, well, and Which it, I'm really grateful for because my yeah. mouth is not clean. Yeah. And so my kids hear enough swearing out of my mouth that I'm like, <laughs> oh, the music should probably be a little bit well, better. Well, and you got like some of the messages in your songs, man. Like they'll yeah. like read my, my 12 years, like reading the lyrics. She's like, dad, check this out. So, I mean, yeah, it's cool, cool man. You're, you're doing good work and, and it's cool to hear about your startups and all this stuff. So if if you want people to follow you, support you, reach out to you, how can they find you? Social media, what? Um, what do you need support on, man? Yeah, well, I mean, you don't have to follow me or do anything, but if you wanted to, the it's the same. It's OGJTMX is my handle, and I have all the social medias. All the social medias, nice, nice, nice. And then for us. Um, you can reach out to me at Matt at Matt underscore Quackenbush on Instagram. Follow Finding Strength Podcast at Finding Strength Podcast on Instagram. You can look us up all over the social media. I mean, my social media game is just so on point. It is <laughs> the worst. It is on point. And worst. Brighten a Day is a giant organization with yes, tens of thousands of followers. Yes, that is the only thing I actually yeah. put effort into with social media. Yeah, that's that's um, James has been involved with that before, mm-hmm. and we really appreciate that. Yeah, at mm-hmm. Brighton a Day, you can go to brightonday.org and you can donate all sorts of fun stuff. We just super appreciate you coming out, man. Yeah, that was awesome. Yeah. Thanks for telling your story. Yeah, sure. thanks for having me. Before we finish up, we always finish with like, uh, what's your takeaway? Round robin, like this last 50 minutes and 15 seconds. Like, what did you pull out of this that you feel you're taking away here? What message do you want to send home? to the listeners out there. You want to go first or want me to go first? Yeah, I can go first. Go for it. So my thing is I I actually really somewhat enjoy hearing people's stories, especially when it's like a, a religious thought process because I'm so not religious in any way. I don't, but I like it. I like because it's different than the way I think. And so I can appreciate it. So that's why I was asking some of those questions is like, I, I really like it. I find it fascinating. I find it... And so I love the fact that there are so many, you know, I've been through my own trials and dealt with it in a different way. I love giving multiple options for people of how to get through things because I think it's important. I think, like I said, if, if it's God, if it's Buddha, if it's yourself, if it's whatever it is that can pull you out of these really hard times, I, I love that. And I just want everybody to know all the different ways. So I loved hearing your story and just um, how much God helped you in your journey. And I think that's really cool. Thank you. What you got for us, man? Bring us home. Take it away. Um, I think that... I think... Well, I'm just going to echo um, some of the things that I said, which are... Perfect. Um, that... I believe that uh, no matter what you've done in your life um, or who you are or what you believe, um, that you're loved by Heavenly Father. And I think that there's power and, and uh, 
in being vulnerable. Um, and, and I think that when you're vulnerable, there's people that are meant to find you to help you with that, your specific problem and let them help you. And once you get through it, open yourself up again. So someone, so you can help someone else. Love it. I love that. Love it. I, I'm going to second the vulnerability thing. Like be real, be authentic, be you. One of my favorite quotes is you are your answer, right? Like th- nobody else is going to pull you out of the shitstorm that is your life. Take the stuff you've been through, take the hard things you've been through and make them meaningful. We have the power to do that as human beings by relying on God, by relying on each other, by opening our hearts to the world. And I think uh, this has been an awesome hour. I really appreciate you coming on, James. It's great to know you, man. Yes, thank yeah, you. Yeah, thanks thank you. for having me. Boom. There you have it. Another fantastic episode of Finding Strength. I really hope that you guys were able to get something out of this episode, take away, uh, I don't know, some strength from it, life lesson. There was a lot of really good stuff in there. Super appreciative of JTM for coming out and supporting us. Uh, We really appreciate the relationship that we're developing with him. He's a freaking stud. As well, like I said before, if you have not yet subscribed to the podcast, go ahead and do that. Follow us on Instagram. Follow us on Facebook. Reach out if you want to be a part of the Finding Strength movement. If you or anyone you know needs some support, needs some help talking through some stuff, I am a licensed psychotherapist, and I do therapy locally here in uh, Utah. If that's something you're interested in, (coughs) excuse me, just reach out. I'll be more than happy to work with you, talk with you as well. Uh, on top of that, I do family therapy. We do events. We do large scale speaking engagements. I've spoken in front of, you know, three, 500, 600 people before and worked with different organizations. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's really a privilege to do what I do. I freaking love it. And I love that we get to come to you guys every week. And if you want to develop a relationship or if you need some help figuring some stuff out, reach out. I'd be happy to help. As well, be sure to check in with the Brighten a Day organization. Support them as much as you can. Brightenaday.org. Donations are always going to the right people, helping families who have lost children. It's an amazing organization. If you want to know more about it, reach out. We are partnered with them. We work with them constantly. Bethany is on the board of directors of her, her organization. It's absolutely, absolutely amazing stuff that Brighton Day is doing. So if you guys have any more uh, stuff that you want from us, like I said, reach out. We are happy to help. Love our community. Love our followers. Love the support. Hope you guys have a wonderful couple of weeks, and we will see you on the next episode of Final Strength. <laughs>